0: This Labor Day, many workers will enjoy a well-deserved long weekend. I've been dreaming all day about having you all to myself for three days.
1: Big holiday weekend coming up. Lots of people are going to go outside
0: partying and grilling. The first Labor Day was celebrated September 5th, 1882. Thank you for that very snoozing Labor Day history. Summer is officially over. Hurricane Hermine is getting
1: stronger as it swirls for the Florida panhandle. Governor Rick Scott also warning that
0: some places could get up to 20 inches of rain. Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory in Blake. Blazing Saddles are headed back to the theaters. AMC playing both titles across the country with Willy Wonka starting at 5 p.m. and Blazing Saddles at 7.30. We'll be paying only five bucks for the films. You can purchase those tickets online as well. SpaceX
2: is investigating the cause of an explosion that destroyed a Falcon 9
0: rocket at Cape Canaveral in
2: Florida. Some of the conservative Hispanics who've been advising Donald Trump are abandoning ships. In a joint statement, retired four-star generals Bob Senewald and David Matthews Announced their support for Clinton. Spacecraft has found what officials believe to be an inactive volcano on the surface of the largest object in the asteroid belt between Mars and Jupiter. NASA says the Dawn spacecraft discovered the volcano about half as tall as Mount Everest on the surface of the dwarf
0: planet Cirrus.
2: Time for the Dave and Dave Radiocast on TuneIn Radio. It
0: is episode number eight. Oh, yeah, I like this episode actually. You know why? Why? Hank Marcus, Wow. one of our buddies is on the phone waiting patiently they say line nine he is a patient guy he's with world outdoor racquetball he's going to talk a little bit about how the outdoor scene kind of morphed after that big explosion of indoor racquetball playing alongside our buddy marty hogan and how he transformed into becoming the owner and 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 the administrator alongside uh, the international racquetball tour he'll also talk about his current job there at the multnomah athletic club it's gonna be a lot of fun we'll ask him some pretty cool questions that'll be up here in just a few it's dave and dave the sports handball radio cast is on the air tune in radio one of my favorites you have the headlines this morning
1: dave we have to kick it off with tim tebow you saw his baseball audition the other day hit a couple of balls over the fence in that audition says that his football career is over Have we seen the last of Tim Tebow on the football field? And will we see more of him on the baseball field? We know that he was just offered that independent contract. Will we
0: see him in a minor league system or an independent league? We will see him on a football field. I I predict this Hmm. as a sideline reporter. Tebow said that he he won't let this affect his play, Mm -hmm. the bad reports that he got from some of those scouts, um, because he never plays. Right. That's why there is no play. Yeah. So when he's playing wolf ball
1: in the backyard, it's not going to affect him? Not going to affect him. Kareem Abdul-Jabbar wrote an article for the Washington Post where he said Colin Kaepernick has a right to do what he's doing and that criticizing him says more about our patriotism than his.
0: That's kind of the first angle I took on that whole Colin Kaepernick thing when I was trying to over explain it. It seems like Kareem did a better job than I did with his little sky hook there. That's the first angle. The second one is I kind of am more with, aligned with what Richard Sherman said, where you're just kind of slapping the face of the Americans and those that live here by not standing up. So I see both angles. I don't think there's a, there's a clear winner here. John Legend supports
1: Colin Kaepernick. Dave, John Legend, a favorite of yours. In a series of tweets, he said, and I quote, for those defending the current anthem, do you really, truly love that song? I don't. I'm still quoting here, and I'm very good at singing it, like one of the best. My vote is for America the Beautiful. The Star-Spangled Banner is a weak song anyway, this according to John Legend.
0: Yeah, I'm surprised that we're making such a big deal about Colin Kaepernick with those comments there from John Legend. Well,
1: it's interesting how many diversions this topic can take. you got some people looking at our military and saying that you're not respecting our military other people going on a completely separate tangent and talking about the star-spangled banner so there's a lot of ways you can go with this i know dave you've said that you don't like that he's using his platform as a member of the san francisco 49ers to call attention to his issues but i mean well
0: here's the reason why uh, san francisco 49ers quarterback colin kaepernick was fined ten thousand dollars for wearing beats instead of the nfl-sponsored bose headphones kind of glad to see that they finally got their priorities straight, mm. the NFL. That's kind of the reason why. I mean, you're going to find a guy $10,000 for not wearing his correct headphones, but you're going to let this pass. This seems like a, an okay subject to do, to talk about. And I understand expressing your freedom. That's what exactly what the flag is about. But But see, Dave, we're talking about the flag here and what the flag represents. That isn't opening up discussion about... Ferguson and some of the inner city problems with the police and, and young black adults that Colin Kaepernick is talking about. So there's two different subjects. One is what you should do and what the flag represents. And the other subject is about bringing awareness to how certain racial groups are being treated. And right now, 90% of the discussions you see on TV are all talking about whether you should sit or not sit regarding the flag. Did Colin do this for, uh, for us to talk about the flag or did no, he do it about the inner interesting- city? See, see what I'm saying? He's doing it to
1: protest police brutality,
0: and the flag gives him the right to do that. But we all talk about the flag. We're not talking about police brutality. And people keep saying, oh, this is opening up a line of discussion. A discussion about the flag.
1: <laughs> it seems like it. A little bit lighter here, Dave. Justin Bieber's credit card was declined at Subway in Hollywood yesterday, so another person in line stepped in and covered it. It's unclear whether the Beebs will be paying them back the person did recognize the beaver can't go a news segment without bringing up the boss dave bruce springsteen you love this guy love him grew up with him broke his u.s record again with a show in new jersey that was four hours and one
0: minute you know by the time it takes him to put on those tight jeans that he wears it's about a 17 hour day factor that into the world record (laughs)
1: Britney Spears, who recently swore off men but said that she wanted to continue having kids, had a really bad date recently because the guy wasn't into her. She says, and I quote, "I liked him. He knew that, but he definitely didn't feel the same. It happens to everybody. Being famous doesn't make you any different." Empathizing with Britney there, uh, Dave? a little
0: bit. Yeah, I kind of did just a little bit when I read that story. Britney's new single, by the way, Dave, is called "Do You Want to Come Over?" Well. As long as we're in a time machine and it's 2002, mm-hmm. hell yeah, I'm coming over.
1: Has a lot to do with I think Britney's appeal is that she does appeal to the every person. She has her ups and downs. With you comments can see like
0: her. that, yeah. Now, but I- even
1: even when she has these sort of meltdowns and she's up and she's great, and then all of a sudden she's shaving her head and she's recluse. I mean, she's kind of experiencing what a lot of people I think could see themselves
0: doing um our little girls maturing Hmm.
1: becoming an adult believe it or not superman's disguise where he just wears glasses as clark kent could actually work a new study found that when someone puts on glasses it really does make it harder for
0: people to recognize them yeah i guess so sci-fi is working on a new series where it's going to focus on superman's grandfather Hmm. I hear he's a lot like Superman except his weakness isn't kryptonite it's 7pm. <laughs> think about that one for a while.
1: <laughs> Two attractive girls from Canada had been on a cruise around the world for the past two months, but they got arrested last week in Australia because they were smuggling twenty-three million dollars worth of cocaine. Snapchatting and Instagramming the whole thing, they could get life in prison.
0: That's horrible news. Could you imagine you're just having the time of your life? You're not affecting anybody. You're just, you know, with twenty-three million dollars worth of coke, and then the next day Are those you're- carry-ons, or do you check those? Yeah, I guess you're checking them in. It's just twenty-three mil with a blow in your carry-on luggage there. Well, the best way
1: to get over some depressing news, Dave, celebrity birthdays.
0: Uh-oh. Who's having it?
1: Andy Roddick turns 34, retired tennis super stud. Now, I didn't write that, the super stud part, but that that's, that's what's here uh, on the news. Uh-huh. Shame Andy Roddick retired so young. I mean, retired at about 31, still had a lot of game left in him. Don't really understand that, but...
0: What, I, I haven't looked, but it's about 158 miles an hour on that serve.
1: Those serves were recorded at Davis Cup matches where that radar gun seems to add about
0: 10 to 15 miles per hour. So I'm a little bit hesitant. That's the same radar gun that follows Araldus Chapman around. Charlie Sheen, 51 years old. So what do you give a guy that has everything? Um, Penicillin. (laughs) He literally has everything. I (laughs) Okay, I thought you meant in terms
1: of um, money. Doesn't have no. much of that anymore, but got just about everything else.
0: You know, a lot has changed for Charlie over the years. You know, the naughty nurse, she used to jump out of the cake, mm-hmm. is actually a real nurse <laughs> oh, these yeah. days.
1: He doesn't look a day over 74. Okay.
0: He does not look good. <laughs> no.
1: Sticking with the tennis theme, Dave, since we are here during the U.S. Open, Jimmy Connors turned 64. You remember that great run he had 1991, at 39 years of age, making it all the way to the semifinals. That amazing match with Aaron Frickstein.
0: That was a lot of fun. Yeah. He's one of those guys that I idolized when I was a kid. I didn't play tennis, but I just something about him, the longevity, uh, kind of reminded me of like Cal Ripken, you know, a few years later. I'm just hoping that he doesn't all of a sudden start cross-dressing and changing his gender <laughs> hey we have uh, more coming up right around the corner in fact let's let's take a break and go to hank marcus who's still on line nine and have that interview right around the corner it's the dave and dave sports handball radio cast with hank marcus and that interview coming up next stick with us We're listening to the sports radio cast with hosts dave and dave r two sports has the ultimate app for sports fans Keep up to date with the latest results from your favorite sport. R2 Sports gives you instant access to a diverse range of sports and tournaments. Get live updates instantly on your Apple or Android handset. Follow your favorite players. Check their ranking and latest results. Favorite an event and get live notifications pushed right into the palm of your hand. Interact with other players and chat with fans. Watch events live right from within the app. Get results anywhere, anytime. R2 Sports, your link to the Global Sports Network. R2 Sports is available as a free download from the App Store. Like us on Facebook for free premium access. You're listening to the Sports Radiocast with hosts Dave and Dave. Welcome back to the Dave and Dave Handball Sports Radio Cast On the phone with us, it's such a, it's a great gift because we have Hank Marcus. He's a uh, the guy behind the Military Racquetball Federation, the Police Racquetball Association, World Outdoor Racquetball. He's involved deeply with three-wall ball at the Multnomah Athletic Club. He's the club pro for racquetball there and has helped us with numerous handball events as well as the Players' Championship back in april what what is your official title hank
2: well i you know as you know david it's 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 when you try to when you try to put everything together in racquetball or handball you gotta you gotta wear a lot of hats and uh, i enjoy all of them but it sounds like i'm a lot busier than i think when you list them that way
0: yeah it kind of sounded like i was maybe i should be the guy that speaks at your funeral or something
2: yeah, that's right that was the that was the, uh, the pre-eulogy <laughs>
0: I run the world players of handball and I'm completely busy. And that's just one thing. You've got your your hand into all of these other th- organizations. Which one is the one that you actually go to every day for your daily job?
2: outdoor racquetball war is probably the majority of my time just because it's growing so fast and it's uh it's got a lot of different branches to it the other thing the other reality is that uh a number of the organizations that i'm involved with um you know i have some great people that i work with and as you know that that's really what makes it all possible so it doesn't doesn't stretch you quite as thin and you can still accomplish things
0: i go back into your history just a little bit i want to learn a little bit more about you really briefly you played professional racquetball or you qualified to play pro ball. Where does your history start when you go back in time?
2: You know, it's, as I get older, it's scarier and scarier to look at how long it's been. But uh, I, I started playing racquetball in the 70s when I was a teenager, when it was uh, just kind of getting started. My dad introduced me to it. He was actually a handball player. And, and he introduced me to racquetball when I was really young. I played on the Pro Tour for a couple of years, and uh, you know, I I, I I played, that's what I'll say. Um, <laughs> and uh, after that, I got more and more involved in promoting the game and uh, eventually ended up uh, running and owning the International Racquetball Tour, which was the Pro Tour of racquetball in the 80s and 90s. Are
0: They're still running the Pro Tour now. I mean, I see their videos and, and they're all over the place.
2: Yeah, yep. the International Racquetball Tour is still alive and well, so it's kind of fun for me to follow it even uh, this many years after.
0: So you played in the days when Marty Hogan was at the prime, and when racquetball was also at its uh, most visual prime, right?
2: Yeah, I, I remember those days fondly. All of us in the old days, everybody would move to San Diego if they thought they had any interest in trying to become a professional racquetball player. So you know everyone from Hogan to Brumfield to all the great players were down there and I moved down there also. but there was people from throughout the United States and Canada that all just picked up and moved to San Diego and all we did was play racquetball all day. In the
0: talks with Marty Hogan here on this radio show, you know and also with that video interview that you you saw from Vegas, he, mentioned those early days of going outdoor, making the transition from indoor to out, and there was a little bit of friction between some of the indoor guys and the outdoor guys. Were you one of the first pioneers as well that also jumped over and, and played outdoor since if this was sort of a San Diego kind of enhanced thing that was going on? Was that also the place where everyone first started playing, or was it Huntington Beach?
2: Yeah, no, no, you're exactly right, Marty. Marty uh, remembers that well, and and so do I. I remember no one had uh, no one had ever really played outdoor in San Diego, and and we heard about this uh, this championship up in uh, Orange County, and so we all just went up there and played, and it was you know every, it was all of the indoor guys first real experience playing outdoor and it was it was actually really cool because it was definitely an indoor versus outdoor mentality at two groups that had never really taken part in the other portion of the person's sport. And so the three wall guys were, you know, they wanted to defend their courts at all costs against these, you know, guys that came from indoor that thought they were so great.
0: It must have been just like a turbulent but also exciting time. Do you feel like when outdoor racquetball started kicking off and the indoor racquetball was booming, did the indoor guys going outdoor, did that actually help the sport in general and vice versa? Was that a good thing for the sport back then or did it hold uh, maybe the sport from being recognized back in any way?
2: You no, know, it's a good question and I think I think it's funny because I think it didn't really have much of an impact either way because what you had until the last 10 years, 12 years or so uh, was really you, you ended up with two separate sports almost. You, the outdoor really became its own sport with its own people and indoor, you know, grew really fast and became its own sport. Uh, and they were really separate and distinct until, until war got involved uh, and tried to bring the people together.
0: What made you, you know, be this guy that was promoting indoor racquetball for a profession, working with IRT, and then all of a sudden you go back outdoor and now you're really synonymous with this huge boom that's going on outside. What what made you go outside again?
2: I was working with Echalon and, and we were developing a number of new balls and looking at different things in the sport that maybe were not being paid attention to very much and had, had the potential to grow. And so uh, I was working with a, a gentleman named Scott Winters and he and I sat down one day and we, we said, hey, there's this, you know, there's outdoor going on you know why don't why don't you fly down to their tournament and just you know see what's going on down there and uh, and then let's see what's happening and I went and it was small but it was really cool I fell in love with it right away just you know just being outside as you know is a whole different atmosphere than sitting in a club and just the the people that it reminded me a lot of uh, indoor when it really started, that kind of enthusiasm and that kind of, you know, kind of excitement for the game. It was a family atmosphere. And from that point on, uh, you know, got involved and uh, just kind of went from there.
0: Now, you continue to keep playing. You Obviously, you played on the Pro Tour for a few years, uh, years ago. But I, I also saw that in the recent war championships at Huntington Beach. You also played there as well. And I think it's the first time I've seen your name on a bracket in a long time. Tell me about your playing days right now.
2: My playing days right now are, are limited and, uh, and very slow. But uh, I had a chance to play with a gentleman who has been a long, long time friend and, uh, and great assistant outdoor. And he asked me if I wanted to play. And I said, absolutely. So I got out there and And hit some balls around, and he carried me a little bit, and we actually won some matches, so that was pretty fun.
0: But you do play indoor racquetball with your uh, position there at the Multnomah Athletic Club as, uh, I believe, the racquetball pro, unless I named you wrong. But what is that position that you do in Portland, Oregon?
2: Yeah, no, that's uh, you name me right. I don't know if all the all the members would, would <laughs> agree with you, but yeah, um, yeah. I also uh, I'm the racquetball pro at the Multnomah Athletic Club here in Portland, and I do uh, I spend you know I spend a good amount of time um, playing a lot more with the with the juniors that are around there because there's a lot of uh, high school teams that practice there and stuff, so I get a chance to to hit around with the juniors, which is really fun.
0: I know that looking through your past, that you also have done some work with uh, colleges as well. You know the the sport needs to grow from the ground up, that grassroots level thing. Uh, What time in your professional career with the sport did you realize that the, the focus had to be going back to the juniors and the collegiates? To make sure that the prosperity of the sport itself will will be maintained. When when did that dawn on you that that was the the important thing?
2: Well, I think it, I think it's you know I'd love to say that that I've always thought that and I've always been in tune with that and 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 I can't really claim that you know because I I was as I, when I was younger I was more wrapped up in the things that I was doing and you know what I was trying to accomplish. Um, but you know it, part of the credit for that goes to Oregon has a tremendously. Well-run and popular high school and junior program, which was started by a number of players about 20 years ago, and I've just kind of been along the for the ride with them. Um, we use the Mac Club a lot for their events to support them. A lot of the teams practice there, and so I got more and more involved and got to see just kind of. You know the 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 pure joy of kids getting to learn the sport whether they're good bad or they want to be great just getting on the court and playing is you know great for them and great for the future of the sport
0: we totally agree with you on that and it's kind of the reason why i asked you that question is because i know there's a lot of players a lot of pro players that are so wrapped up in their career and trying to make it to the next level or get one notch more higher on the rankings they sometimes will forget about who they were when they were kids and how important it is to get kids back onto the court. So the only reason why I brought it up is I just remember when I got my first substantial injury that kept me out of the sport, it seemed like the best transition for me at that moment was to focus my energy on uh, making sure that we were able to get kids to continue to keep playing the sport because it was the one thing I knew I could get on the court and do without hurting myself.
2: Yeah, no, I think I, I couldn't agree with you more and it's also as you know one of the most uh, you know fulfilling things that you can do because not only do you feel like you're kind of building you know the future of the sport but you know kids are kids are fun to, to, to spend time with and they're fun to watch them learn and they appreciate that stuff oftentimes a lot more than adults do and so it's just enjoyable
0: and for those that are still a little bit selfish about their own game there's nothing greater than going in and teaching young adults or even people that are your same age how to play because it actually gets you back to the basics and and allows you to correct yourself in some of your habits, right?
2: Absolutely good for your game and good for your
0: soul. You uh have also transitioned to another great thing, and this is really truly great. Military Racquetball Federation. You're also involved in the National Police Racquetball Association. You do a lot of you a lot of charity events and, and you're really trying to grow the sport from that angle as well for those that are less fortunate and uh, those that are fortunate. How did you get involved in the armed forces and helping out that way?
2: I uh I have to say that uh MRF or Military Racquetball Federation is is something that is 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 very near and dear to my heart. Um, I did not serve in the military, and so when I met Stephen Harper, who was a Lieutenant Colonel in the Navy, uh, was a huge racquetball player, and wanted to do more specifically for the military, I was unbelievably excited about working with him and having that opportunity. And six years later, we've been able to do all kinds of things that have helped people out, but most importantly is the creation of the Racquetball Rehabilitation Clinic Program, which is essentially a, a program that we do with VAs in different cities. And we go in and we help both active and retired military who either have physical or PTSD type of injuries. And we get them on the court, we use a real soft ball so that it's easy for them to hit and also so that it's not too loud for those with PTSD. And we just, we get them back in the game and we get them involved and, we, and they have a great time and they just enjoy the competitive aspect of being out there and being on the court. And so it, it's a very, very uh, not only worthwhile but very enjoyable experience.
0: Yeah, that's a fulfilling segment of your life right there. And I know that coming up in September here at the latter part of the month in Vegas, there's always the big military salute. But what people don't always know is that there is there's a wheelchair division, and they it's like a pro am of sorts, and that gets a lot of press. Uh, what's behind that? Who who invented that whole concept?
2: Yeah, that uh, the the, uh, the up down division, which is what you're talking about where we have one wheelchair player and one able-bodied player playing as a doubles team. That came out of the Racquetball Rehabilitation Clinic program where the guys that took those clinics and graduated and really wanted to continue to play and uh, you know, were, were more and more competitive about it and wanted to travel and do things and really be involved, and so we kind of created this division where they could uh, kind of team up with an able-bodied player, and it's worked out really well, and we do hold a couple of them a year, but the highlight is definitely in Vegas, and uh, it's just it's just a fun time for everyone.
0: I, unless I'm wrong, unless Wikipedia uh, did not give me the right information, you didn't serve in the military, you weren't part of the police force. Well,
2: we both know Wikipedia is always right. Uh, <laughs> yes, no, that is, that is correct. I did not... Uh, my connections to these are through people that I've met in racquetball, and uh, and I and you know have gotten involved in kind of something that they were involved in. Stephen Harper is an example in the military, and a gentleman named Bill Bearden out of uh, out of Texas, who uh, who we started the National Police Racquetball Association. And Bill, I just knew because I knew he was a police officer. We saw each other at tournaments every once in a while, but also he was a he was a canine officer, and you know I was always fascinated, and he would send me pictures. Of of his his uh, his partner and stuff, and so one day uh, when we had military off and running, you know, Bill said, "Hey, you know, we should really do something like this for police," and I can, you know, I can kind of lead the way. You know, are you would you be interested? I said, "Absolutely," and that's kind of how we how we moved forward.
0: Wikipedia is usually always right until I click the edit button. <laughs> that's that's perfect. <laughs> And I have. Uh, one of these days offline, I'll, I'll share some of my gyms for you. A lot of people don't realize this, Hank, that our organization works together with yours. There's two different things that we that we do. Can you just recall a couple of our projects together and helping uh, a, a local community erect some of these outdoor courts?
2: Absolutely. And I, I think, as you know, Dave, it's, it's not the highlight as maybe as the free ball ball World Championships are where we work in partnership, but it is the highlight, you know, for for both of us in terms of really being able to get out and work together to grow both of our sport. You know, I greatly appreciate all the assistance and all the partnerships that you and I have had in helping these people. You know, the the really cool thing about outdoor is, as you know, we're, is we're currently working with over twenty different groups in the United States that are either dealing with park districts or recreation departments to build courts and we you know we supply them with as much information as we can as much support as we can letters of recommendation and all the things that allow them to make steps forward with those you know governmental institutions that they couldn't do without the support of wph and and war you know i think some of the the most recent successes are a facility that's going up in san antonio this fall there's also courts that have been built in tennessee and there is, you know, all these other courts that are on the drawing books. You know, it was just in a meeting, and I know you sent a letter, which I appreciate, with a group from Washington, the state of Washington who are working on it. And there's also a move to, to uh, recently to build some new courts in Hawaii, which obviously everybody would enjoy. And it, it's just been a great partnership that's really helped people out who are out there, you know, doing the hard work of uh, of getting court
0: built, And I know that we've worked together on trying to help Jake Plummer, the ex NFL star right here from Arizona, but now he he's in uh, Idaho and he's trying to uh, construct courts there in Coeur d'Alene. Uh so I know we worked together on that project, and and I know there's many more that we've that I'm not even bringing up here. But you know, I think the key is, and it kind of transitions into the two organizations working together. Uh, it's more of the philanthropic aspect of our organization. We don't do these things and then go brag about it. it. It might be one of our biggest flaws is not bragging enough about what our organization does. We're pretty good at promoting other people, though. <laughs> when it gets to us two working together, this didn't. Have Happen in the old days right I mean, go back to those the times when you started IRT up until maybe seven years ago do you ever recall working with a handball or even you know we can talk about paddleball but other organizations in order to try to help grow everybody what, what's your philosophy on all that it's
2: such a uh, it's it's one of what I consider one of the biggest successes you know of, of my career to be honest is is getting involved with and, and working with wph and working with you and and really you know uh, I I feel like what we've done is whether it whether it helps or not I feel like we've you know set a kind of Standard for both sports of of making it clear that there's absolutely no reason in the world that the two sports can't work together. Our goals are the same. We use the same courts. We have to work together. And uh, it's you know it's funny because when I started playing racquetball in the 70s, obviously they were handball courts, and that those were the times of uh, you know where handball players and racquetball players definitely didn't get along very well. As I went through kind of the years, you know, racquetball and handball really didn't have much relationship at all that I could see but I always had like an affinity for handball because one my dad played and two because of being at the MAC club you know as you know that's one of the real strongholds in the country for handball a lot of guys through the years a lot of strong players and a good program and so I always have been involved with handball players and kind of the sport in general just from a distance and you know once this opportunity to work together with WPH at the three wall ball championships it's just expanded you know our relationship and and it's been a great thing for both sports, and, and to be really honest, you talk about, you know, kind of not tooting our own horn, but I really feel like, you know, we we set an example for both sports on how they should be working
0: together. We have some players that actually come down on league night that are racquetball guys that sit down and watch, or when we have a pro tournament, they're in the front row rooting on some of the locals, and I don't recall seeing that. Now, sometimes, you know, when you, it's out of your conscious of therefore you, you didn't realize it was happening before, but in this case, I'm just not sure it really ever was happening, that, that crossover mentality
2: yeah no I think you're I think you're right I think that, that it, it's opened up people's eyes and, and it's, it's made people feel like hey we're kind of all in this together and just because one of us is using our hands and one of us is using a racket we're all trying to do the same thing. We're all trying to uh, kind of go the same direction and uh, we're all part of the same family. It may not be may not be the, exactly the same, but we're, we're all in this together.
0: What I do believe, Hank, is that we are exposing the sports more now than they probably have ever been, certainly combined. That exposure is going to make people more aware and then therefore it's going to be a lot easier to introduce them to each respective sport because of uh, how familiar they may become because of all this uh, recent explosion if that even makes sense.
2: Yeah, no, no, I, and obviously i mean the the experts on this uh are, are leading the way is really you and wph in terms of the type of uh exposure you bring to both sports is just incredible and has benefited both sports and i i think that it i think that really it's more and you were describing it well it's more of an atmosphere that's been created you know we we have we've broken down the walls uh, between the two sports, where where there is not only an appreciation of of each other's sports, but there's a camaraderie, and I, I, you know, even if that's the extent of what we accomplish, that's still a tremendous thing for the future of both sports.
0: You know, it was it was kind of rocky there in that first year when we combined. Uh, you recall some of the funny moments? Now it's just like standard. But remember that that first year when I believe, uh, Paola was there, racquetball star from from Mexico, and she Mexico, was yep. yeah, she was signing autographs. And I, I mean, handball players were wanting her their picture with her. Like, you know, before selfies became popular, they were doing selfies back then. Uh, you remember that big mob yep. where everybody was just mobbing her, getting her autograph? And I think we were talking to Mike Coulter and it was like, what's going on here? This, you know, we're trying to do a group photo and your guys are coming in here and... I look back at that moment. You know exactly the moment I'm talking about, right? When it, I
2: do. Yep, I'm I'm smiling. I'm smiling right now, remembering it.
0: <laughs> it. We have our guys holding on to Corona beer bottles while your group of racquetball players are all in their team outfits. They look like they're ready to fly off to the Olympics. And our guys. <laughs> it was such. I, I think that was one of the best moments ever in the history of the Vegas event. In, in such a sad, but also such a positive and happy way. That I. You know, I'm. I'm only bringing it up because I know that I was standing. Next to you, when we just sort of looked at each other and said, "Well, that's just the way it is," you know. Exactly. It was. It was.
2: It was the first. It was the first big step together.
0: <laughs> it was. There was friction involved, though, which made it more like yep. you're kind of. It was almost like a contestant on a game show or a reality series where you're wondering who's going to get voted off. Is it going to be me? I was, <laughs> which I felt it was going to be me. I know. Gotta
2: be, there's got to be a little tension, low tension and friction. It makes everything more exciting. You know
0: that. Yeah. That that's the interesting thing. And I've talked to many players on both sides throughout the years since then, and a lot of them kind of sum up their feeling toward each other's sports based on kind of that moment where they would, you know, look back and say, you know, I, I really like going because I like seeing the other sport, how they act professional. And then I talk to the racquetball guys and they say, oh, well, you know, I, I like coming out to watch the handball portion because it reminds me of what it was like when I first started playing. All of these guys are very energetic, and and they're really yeah. wanting to get into the game, and they're 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 loud, they're yelling. That's how I I, I want this yeah. sport to be, and and so it, possibly there's still some growth out there, you know, maybe catapulting each sport in a, in a positive direction.
2: Yeah, I, I mean, I think it, it's per- perfectly said. That both sports have their unique kind of style and flair and that, that each sport now sees the other and can even learn from or borrow uh, some of the positive things from each other and I think that's that's one of the coolest parts.
0: Okay, really quickly, I know you, you have to get going here. Part of everything that we've talked about now is all kind of funneled into the Vegas event and one of the things that Vegas is now becoming known for, at least in the last two years, is the coverage from ESPN and the Watch ESPN app. How important or how impactful is having a major organization, a sports organization like ESPN, get behind the promotion of uh, this this amazing event? Not only just racquetball, but paddleball and handball as well.
2: Well, let let's first uh, let's first give credit where credit is due that this that ESPN's involvement is because of all the work that WPH and handball and you have done, and that is tremendously appreciated by all involved. Uh, it's you can't even put in a real number or anything on this in terms of the effect it has inside of racquetball. Because what it is is it's a, it's it's allowing outreach. It's allowing people across the globe to uh, to get to see their sport, to get to enjoy it, and it elevates it to a level that they have not seen before. It's, it's the quality, just the fact that ESPN's name is involved, all the the work that you guys do from a professional standpoint. It just makes the sport, you know, have the potential to grow that much more, and it makes people that are in the sport feel good about their sport and get even more excited about
0: it. Yeah, I agree with you. It, it goes back to that comment about just pushing these two sports or these three sports in in the faces of people and now it becomes a little bit more recognized and a little bit easier to play because you've seen it now and now you know that it's a big thing now we're going to be in vegas coming up in september 21st through the 25th this will be our seventh time together doing this event hank i know you and i've been in the same town before multiple times running events and we hardly even spoke a word to each other this is probably the longest we've ever spoke to each other in a row
2: it's always interesting because you know, there's so many things going on. As you know, there's so many responsibilities. There's so many uh, things that have to be taken care of. That a lot of times, uh, you and I just kind of wink at each other as we as we run by each other trying to do something. And so this is this has been really fun to get a chance to to talk before we see each other in Vegas. Yeah, that's
0: that wink is usually like at 3:30 in the morning. Uh, With a lot of, and we're winking because uh, we can't see out of that left eye. Okay, (laughs) the event is uh, in Vegas at the Stratosphere, and you could register at r2sports.com. And by going to that website, you can then search for either racquetball, paddleball, or handball, and then uh, look for the dates of September 21st through the 25th. Stratosphere Hotel about ready to sell out uh, with the group code, so make sure to get your name in there, or else you're going to be staying down the strip pretty far away if you want a comparable hotel, and it's going to be a lot more expensive that's one thing that we want to uh, bring out there. Hank, I know you want to say great things about the stratosphere because they really, you know, without them, we wouldn't have anything. But the one person before you go that we have to throw a big shout out to, you know, you're saying that we wouldn't be where we are without WPH. And I appreciate that. But Mike Coulter, he hates when you talk about him, um, as I do when you talk about us. But uh, he is really, I mean, without him, it's gone. And what can you say about your friendship, your working relationship, and where Mike Coulter has taken this event in Las Vegas?
2: Well, it's, it's as you say, it's it's one of the most dangerous topics to discuss because uh, he he is never happy when either you or I mention him by name. Uh, but uh, he he deserves it and uh, should be should be honored in that way. Uh, I've known Mike for thirty years, as, as far back as. Uh, He and I used to uh, run IRT pro events at the Sporting House in Las Vegas in the old days. You know, we've been through the wars with him in every part of racquetball. He's someone that loves the sport and would do anything for it, and I think that uh, his involvement in outdoor racquetball and now uh, in handball and paddleball also has, has just allowed us to take the exposure of the game and really growing outdoor to a level that it never would have been without his vision of the Vegas event. And, uh, you know, I, I think that the, the, it's not so much a business thing, although that's what it, you know, that's the benefit that everyone sees. But, you know, I I consider him a friend and uh, and I enjoy working
0: with him. You know, without that guy, we wouldn't have an event. And, you know, each year it just gets better. You know, those first couple years, man, it was it was turbulent building the courts, designing logos trying to create the relationships or recreate them. He's got relationships that then all of a sudden you're kind of thrown into and you have to try to get to know these people. It was a very tough first couple years with the uh, Three Wall Ball Outdoor World Championships in Vegas. But one thing I can say is every single year, it just gets better. And you know at about two days into the event, you go, wow, this is absolutely remarkable.
2: Yeah, I, I, you couldn't have said it better, Dave, because, it, you, know, my, uh, you know, from the day the tournament ends, to the first day of the next year you know Mike's most common thing is you know I wanted I want to add this I want to, I want to make this better this is how I want to fix this and and that's you know that's just a tremendous part of the success.
0: I wanted to say thanks to Mike Coulter even though I know that I'm gonna get a phone call in just about five minutes because he's he's putting this on his website and he's also listening and um, he's not happy. Sorry Mike just had to do it uh, <laughs> Hank uh, I'll let you get back to work. I know they just paid you to talk to me for 36 minutes, but I really do appreciate <laughs> it. I'm going to see you in a couple weeks. It'll be fun. It'll be nice winking at you at 3.30 in the morning as we cross paths and say, don't even ask. I know that's our favorite thing to say to each other.
2: I, I am planning on it.
0: <laughs> okay, man, I'll talk to you soon. Thanks for calling in.
2: Okay, thanks, thanks so much for your help.
0: More of the Dave and Dave Handball Sports Radio cast coming up next on WPH Radio. Join 3 Wall Ball, World Players of Handball, World Outdoor Racquetball, the National Paddleball Association, and hosts the Stratosphere Hotel Tower Casino September 21st through the 25th for the biggest combined court sport event ever held. All at one venue, all to air live on ESPN and the Watch ESPN app. Visit 3wallball.com for more details about prize money, daily schedule of events, entry fees, and amazing hotel discounts at the Stratosphere in Las Vegas. We will see you in September in Sin City. Top handball players, qualifiers, senior 40-plus men and women's elite will participate alongside amateurs,
2: age division, juniors and skill level players at multiple stops beginning in October of 2016, running through April of 17. From the simple green U.S. Open of handball through Salt Lake City's Players' Championship. The WPH Live TV Film Crew will be airing matches on ESPN3 and the Watch ESPN app with hopes you come out and play or help promote this amazing game by sharing each event's broadcast schedule. Come join the WPH on the courts this season. Evil will wait not a second longer.
0: How would you like it if I called your wife live from my
2: show tomorrow? Texting really gives you some, like, cojones. You'll love my never-ending oversharing. I'll be the judge of that. Dave Fink with partner Dave Vincent.
0: Yo, what's up? What's up, fool? For
2: this edition of the Sports Radio Cast. I might like that. Now, on, on TuneIn
0: Radio. And we are back for the Dave and Dave Sports Handball Radio Cast, Episode 8. Great interview there with Hank Marcus as we're getting ready for the weekend. This is a big Labor Day weekend. The United States Handball Association has their three wall nationals in Toledo, Ohio. As of right now, what is it that you know? Luis Moreno, advancing to the semifinals. He took down his doubles
1: partner in Tucson neighbor, Abraham Montijo, in a tiebreaker. He'll face the seven-time three-wall national singles champion, Sean Lenning, who will be trying to win his fifth title in six years. The bottom bracket, Dave Mondo Ortiz, advanced to his first three-wall national singles semifinal. He'll take on Tyree Positis, who's in his fifth straight semifinal, trying to make his fifth straight final where he did defeat Mondo. By my records, Dave, the two have played just once in three-wall. Tyree winning that match in two close games in 2010. I remember both of them being sort of injured in that match, but it was Tyree that won that one. It's hard to predict either of those matches. Luis Moreno served incredibly today in the second and third games against Abraham Montillo, outscored a 32-8 to win those second and third games see if Sean Lennon can defend that serve. We did see Sean Lennon defeat Luis in the finals of the three-wall ball outdoor championships last September. That was a little different kind of three-wall where the sidewalls stop at the short line. This is the high walls that go all the way back to the back line. Mondo Ortiz and Tyree will face one another next. And very hard to predict that one, Dave. I'm predicting a tiebreaker there. Hard to say Mondo's gonna need to be fit to hang with Tyree though. It's gonna be humid out there tomorrow, 63% humidity temperatures 78 79 degrees it's going to feel more like 95 with that humidity and it's the fitter guy i think will win that match
0: okay so right now it's it's friday september 2nd as we do this radio show and very well you could be listening to this on saturday or sunday mm-hmm. saturday will be september 3rd and this right. is the day of the semi-final saturday is with the United States Handball Association. You played in the Toledo event, as I have, and there's so many people that have gone to this tournament for years. This is the 66th USHA three-wall national handball championships that we're talking about here. And they have generations of family members that have played in Toledo. It's becoming a heritage. It's becoming a part of family life. I know your father played there, and you've played there, Dave. Just give me your just a sense of what it feels like to be in toledo and why that tournament is special well it's a lot of fun you
1: know that event you have people that are camping out right next to the courts and it's the kind of tournament where everyone's sort of together throughout the whole weekend you go to some of these stops and you're at the beach and you have a lot of players that have gone off and they're going to sightsee and see all these different things but when you're in toledo really you're there just for the handball so a lot of these people are there from very early in the morning if they didn't sleep there they get there early in the morning and they're there until late at night because there's great handball to watch throughout the morning afternoon and night they have lights on those courts and usually the doubles kicks off there late at night and it becomes a really kind of exciting and electric scene and you you get down you know you start with about 20 great players in the men's open singles and now we're down to four and you know there's a lot of drama watching there can Luis Moreno take down Sean Lenning we know that he's had a better record against Sean Lenning in their race for eight career in fact he won Every match they played between 2011 and 2015, since then it's sort of gone back and forth, Sean with a little bit of an edge. But it, it'll be interesting because if Luis gets that serve going, it doesn't matter how much experience you have, it's just about impossible to return, especially on a three-wall court where you don't have a back wall to, to save you. Now, Mondo Ortiz and Tyree, I think Tyree's gonna be able to return Mondo's great, low, hard serve because he is a, a one-waller and he's used to those serves coming and having very little time to react. If Mondo's able to kind of impose that offensive game, and you know he can shoot the lights out from anywhere with either hand, from even behind the back line, Tyree's going to try and push him into the crowd. And if you've seen Tyree play three-wall, it's really amazing. He can hit the ceiling with either hand and send you into the bleachers. I'm not talking about the seats people set up. I mean the bleachers over the fence. Yeah. and You have to be like one of these outfielders in Major League Baseball that climb the fence to take away the home run, that's what you have to do to, to return Tyree's ceiling shot So if
0: Mondo has that really cool serve that he he goes baseline, but then he comes back short but still into play, he better make sure that Tyree can't return him because Tyree's going to pop that to the roof and throw you out of the court. Yeah. Mondo's going to have to be in the best shape of his life, and therefore it might give the advantage to Tyree because he'd be able to take that serve away from Mondo. But then again, Mondo's offense is, a, is amazing. But you could say the same about Tyree's offhand, where you feel like you want to pepper Tyree to his offhand. You find out he's stronger in a lot of ways.
1: Well, Tyree almost never shoots the ball in three wall. In fact, I played him 2010, I believe, 10-10 in the tiebreaker, hit one to Tyree's left at about 40 feet. He hadn't shot one the whole match. He flat killed it with his left hand. I think that was the first time he'd shot the ball from behind the short line in the entire match. Mondo will shoot the ball from everywhere. So you've got this great contrast of Tyree who's looking to win points by driving the ball to the ceiling and hitting you out of the court. And Mondo's going to try and win points by hitting that bottom board, which he does so successfully with either hand. So uh, to me, that's one of the most exciting matchups. And add to the fact that we don't see them play each other ever. So anytime you have two guys in handball that really never play, that really makes it exciting.
0: Now remember, Mondo Ortiz and Shorty Ruiz won the doubles last year. So Mondo is no stranger to going to the finals. Earlier this year, he won the X Fest small ball mm-hmm. portion of that three wall event on courts somewhat similar. They didn't have a roof, right? So he's, I think, programming himself to be a winner when it comes to three wall. He said it was the first time he's won a a, a pro small ball three wall event. Was in at, at X Fest. Tyree, on the other hand, has won previously and has had a national title mm-hmm. in doing so. So maybe. Advantage Tyree, but it's going to definitely be a close one. Right, and and if it's lopsided either way, I don't think anybody should be surprised. That's uh, that's a weird thing about this. I'll
1: tell you what it's like to play Tyree. Go out and do a fifty-yard sprint as fast as you can, and then try and play a rally. Do another fifty-yard sprint and try and play another rally, and do that for two hours. Because when Tyree has you running back to the fence, back into the court, back to the fence, that's really what it's like. So. You say, well, how can you miss that shot? You watch somebody playing tight. Well, you can't breathe. That's why you're missing yeah. the shot. You yeah. can't, you literally feel like your heart is beating out of your chest because you're doing so much running and jumping and, uh, you know, adjusting and agility. And it, it's really almost impossible to sustain your fitness. So the longer the match goes, I think the more it favors Tyreek.
0: You can get more information by visiting our website on the USHA Three Wall National Handball Championships. We give you daily. Updates. In fact, it'll be the lead story throughout the weekend at WPHLive.tv. You can also email us at info at WPHLive.tv or go to the USHA website. In fact, that's probably the first suggestion. If you really want to get the news, you can go there at ushandball.org or their social media sites. And also, R2 Sports, you can see the live bracket. This isn't just a pro event, they've got every age bracket. I believe there's what? 30, uh, 36 brackets total, something like that. There's a women's pro. And uh, some of the Masters have some pretty exciting matches. Mm-hmm. Dan Simmons there and and Joe Harris, that one of our buddies from... Roger Berry. Right? Uh, Karner is there as well. Right. So there's a lot of good stuff going on. Go there, browse the R2 Sports website. You can get that information on ours or the USHA homepage and track the results. Now, you're talking about being in shape and having to run all around. You can't forget Las Vegas, and you've played in both Toledo and in Las Vegas. Vegas is tough because of the, the heat, but also it's a short court. So now you're doing a lot more running than you normally would. You're not held in the confinement uh, another 20 feet back like you would in Toledo. Not saying that it's harder to, to do. Both of them have their challenges. But uh, does Vegas benefit a person who's in shape?
1: Well, you know, you play in Vegas against somebody that's really strong overhand that can use the angles of the court, and you're doing a lot of running side-to-side, so a lot of lateral running. Play a guy like Nikolai Nahorniak who can hit those overhand pinch shots about 10 feet high on the wall that run you out of the court either to the left or right. Now you find yourself 10 or 15 feet off the court to the left or right trying to scramble back into the court, and that takes a lot out of you because you don't even see that coming. Now in Toledo, you have the sidewalls that go all the way back to the back, so your running is going to be more front-to-back where you're going to be running back, jumping, and trying to run back into the court. So um, a lot of running, I'd say probably Toledo, maybe a little bit more physically demanding because you could be 60 or 65 feet away from the wall. Whereas in Vegas, the walls are only 16 feet high, so you really can't push anybody more than, you know, 5 or 10 feet behind the back line.
0: Also, wood versus concrete makes things a little bit different. The ball's
1: a little slower coming off. But, you know, you play... And if you play at night in Vegas, it's not much of a, you know, it's not that difficult physically. You know, the, the sun is gone. It's not that hot. But if you do play in the middle of the day there, where you get one of those 105 degree days. Just standing outside is, is difficult. So both are challenging.
0: The entry deadline for Vegas is coming up September 19th at 3 o'clock. Just get in before that. And also, Stratosphere Hotel is at 85% blocked, which is that's enormous i mean they're they're going to sell out again this year having all those people even if it's they're not handball racquetball or paddleball players inside the stratosphere is actually a pretty cool thing because those are the that's the audience that's going to be coming out and watching our games on espn the tournament is actually september 22nd through the 25th for handball even if you're coming as a fan enter as a non-player because you can get the same benefits as an actual player does yeah it's it's definitely one of the highlights of the year i I call it the largest combined wall ball tournament of the year. In history. Right. Depending if you break the record from the previous year, then, mm-hmm. then certainly that. I, I know they're going to have paddle ball and racquetball. We know all of that. Right. But I, I think the fun thing about it is the fact that you have racquetball players there, and then you have handball players and paddleball, And they all kind of, over the years, have built this relationship where Oh, Rocky Carson's playing? I'm going to go sit down in the stands and watch him play. Yeah, you see a lot of guys like Brian Pineda, who is friends with a lot of the
1: handball guys, and the handball guys want to watch him play, and he wants to watch the handball guys play, and he brings a big crowd with him because he's a huge favorite out there in the racquetball and paddleball community, and then you take a guy like Timbo Gonzalez or Juan Santos, who are favorites of Brian Pineda, and they've got a big following, so every time either of them are playing, you bring all these people coming to watch the crossover action, and they're loving it.
0: Yeah, it's going to be a lot of fun. That's coming up here in September. Make sure to get that hotel and then register as soon as possible before the deadline. We are going to say goodbye for today. That wraps up episode 8. I want to thank Hank Marcus for stepping in with his interview. Dave, thanks for Thank com- you, Dave. Coming back in here with uh, just really no notice whatsoever.
1: I'm always ready, Dave. I said
0: put your headphones on. Let's do the show. <laughs> you did it. We'll have episode nine coming up uh, probably next week. Stick around. Thank you for tuning in to the Handball Sports Radio Cast here on TuneIn Radio.
2: You've listened to the Dave and Dave Sports Radiocast on TuneIn Radio with WPH Live TV. Thank God this damn thing's over.